the football show on Off the Ball with Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, EFL, Scottish Premiership, and much more live on Sky Sports. I'm prepared to anything I can. Well, do it then. Do it then. What about your start to the game? I was, it wasn't bad, was it? <laughs> Why should it be an honest answer be a mistake? How can a modern day manager not have a mobile phone? Why should he? Yep, it is the football show with thanks to Sky Ireland. On the way, we will be speaking to Dion Fanning, looking ahead to the Republic of Ireland's friendly with Belgium on Saturday evening. And indeed, on top of that, we'll be looking at Ireland's bid, at least a joint bid, for Euro 2028. That's to come with Dion a little bit later on in the show. And also momentarily, we'll be speaking to the Derry City manager, Rory Higgins. But just to keep you up to date on what's going on in those World Cup playoffs across the continent, Wales are 2-0 up at home to Austria. Uh, there's an hour played at the Cardiff City Stadium and it's noted golfer Gareth Bale who scored both of those goals for Wales tonight and set them pretty much on the way towards a playoff final against either Scotland or Ukraine. Touchwood, that game, will be played in June, it would seem. Uh, elsewhere, Italy still being held to a goalless draw by North Macedonia tonight. In the other half of that equation, Portugal are 2-0 up at home to Turkey. Those goals coming from Ottavio and Diogo. Go Jota and the other game tonight is in Sweden and still scoreless between the Swedes and the Czechs just past the hour mark in each of those matches we'll keep you up to date on all of those now Derry City have made a remarkable start to the new SSE Artistry Premier Division season they are a bastion of stability given the infrastructure that's been put in place and the finances available to their owner Philip O'Doherty but they have made on the pitch a magnificent start to the season six games so far and they're yet to be beaten and they've already gotten wins under the belts against the likes of Shamrock Rovers and St. Patrick's Athletic. I'm delighted to say joining us on the line is their manager, Rory Higgins. Rory, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks uh, for having me. No bother at all. Uh, the league is done and dusted already. Six games in, you've gotten wins over Pats, wins over Rovers, a draw against Dundalk. The top five have been vanquished. This is all hunky-dory <laughs> for you, isn't it? Uh, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> no, there, there's no getting away with it. We've had a good, solid start. Um, but that's all it is. You look at Football all across the world, the amount of teams that make good starts and then um, disappear. So we're hoping that we can continue the form that we're on, but we're, we're, we're definitely not getting carried away, that's for sure. As you headed into the international break, I'd imagine that's the message that you left the players that you, you have at your disposal there over the last couple of weeks. That's what you've drummed into them, I suppose. Uh, of course, it's and, and the players know that um, it's only a start. Um, we've played a lot of good teams, that's true as well, but um, this this league is very unforgiving. If you show any snobbery or anything like that against anyone, then you get turned over. So um, we just have to focus on the next game that's put in front of us and, and try and deal with that. You've got a squad. Like when you talk about knowing that the the league is unforgiving and that there you know there's traps waiting around every corner, pretty much no matter which way you turn. And um, we've seen in the past teams in their recruitments have. You know, looked outside of the league and brought in a lot of players from abroad. I kind of think of Dundalk, I guess, in the last couple of years and what they tried to do there. Um, but yourselves, you look what you tried to recruit, what well, you have recruited, I guess, uh, across the last couple of years up in Derry. It's been noticeable that there are a lot of proven entities that have come to the club. You kind of look back at what you did in the off-season, bringing in uh, the McElhaney's, bringing in Matty Smith and what he'd done at St. Pa- Pat's. Uh, Brian Marr obviously done the business for Bray. And then, of course, uh, Michael Duffy and Cameron Dunnigan and what they'd done at Dundalk. So, Knowing the road and knowing what's ahead in the League of Ireland is, is obviously a crucial thing because it's it's a unique beast in that respect. Yeah, that, that's true. Um, 
suppose we brought in Jamie McGonagall halfway through last season who came from the Irish League but the one you haven't mentioned uh, Shane McElhenney from was it Finn Harps in yeah. the last couple of seasons Shane's been absolutely um, and don't get the, the marquee names the, the Duffy's and the Michael uh, Patrick McElhenney's and that they get they get all the the hype and rightly so because what they've done in their careers but Shane McElhenney over the last few weeks has been uh, absolutely outstanding for us as is Cameron Dummigan um, and players like that so no I think uh, the attacking players always get the the sort of the headlines and stuff but um, I I think we, we've done well so far and 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 the likes of Shane and Dummigan and that and Brandon Kavanagh um, have been shining lights for us and you've got a depth of squad there that pretty much people would be envious of at this stage too no well we don't really um, if you look at our if you look at our squad whenever we're missing a few we haven't had the luxury of having Michael Duffy and Matty Smith yet um, through injury Kieran Harkins obviously uh, done his cruciate so mm. if you look at the depth of our squad if you look at it we, we have a lot of young players um, under 19 players on the bench um, so squad depth we don't have a, a huge amount but what we do have and it was important and, and in our recruitment is it would be signed players that have versatility um, and we were quite successful in that regard so that that's that's been very helpful with the injuries that we've had so so far uh, so far into the season. Yeah, we mentioned Kieran Harkin's injury. The, the one that grabbed a lot of headlines, obviously, like a week or so ago, was Michael Duffy's. He'd only just come back from a hamstring injury and then had lasted, what, 12 minutes against Strada and fractured his tibia. How long do we reckon Michael is going to be out for? Um, we're not going to put a we're not going to put a time on it. It's unfair on him. Yeah. Uh, but we, we just want him to... He's in good hands. We have brilliant medical staff here. Michael Higgerty leading it. Um, Kevin McCready, our S&C coach, with a fantastic team um, who will support him and give him everything that he needs in, a, in, a, in his road to recovery. But it's a huge loss, no getting away from it. But mm. we haven't had Michael so far this season or we haven't had Matty Smith um, really at all. So we've navigated the first few uh, weeks well. So hopefully that continues. The main thing, I guess, for those long-term injuries is keeping the, I guess, the the emotional and, and the mental side of things up for the player involved because that will be the most difficult thing from their perspective is, is being unattached, I guess, for, for so long and away from the ins and outs and the day-to-day of, of training and playing and um, being a day-to-day footballer. When you're outside of that, when it's taken away from you for that length of time, it can be a difficult thing mentally. I know you would have dealt with injuries yourself as a player. It, it, it's a tricky one, and, and I'm sure the the structures that are in place around Michael to, to help him through this period too. Uh, of course, and, and what they do have is they've got brilliant teammates, they've got good staff here who will look after them, and they live local, so they're not away from their families and, and children and stuff, so um, they've got good family, good families around them as well, which is important, so no, they'll be they'll be taken care of and, and and every day they come in, um, they'll be made feel part of the group, which mm. is a huge part of the group, but you can feel detached from it. Um, uh, so, no, it's important that we we, we keep them uh, with us and, and involve them as much as we can. Talk to us a little bit about Will Patching, because there's a player who, when he was signed, and, and Vinnie Perth has always spoken very highly of him and did when he was in and out of the club for that year at Dundalk. When he was signed initially, he pointed towards him saying, this is a guy who's come through the, the system of Man City and has the scope to be a, a very impressive player going forward. 
through what happened there at Oriel Park it never really caught fire for him but it did once he went on loan there last season to yourselves in the first half of last season what was it about the combination that confection of, of Derry and Will that managed to, to spark his career I guess into life up there and, and tell us about the impact that he's made up there because he's been an absolute sensation for you yeah, he's been he's been fantastic. Um, he didn't play um, in his first season at Dundalk, uh, and then he wanted to get out on loan. Um, and Declan Devine brought him in on loan. Brilliant uh, signing from Declan brought him in. Um, and I can only, I suppose, talk about him from from my dealings with him. Um, absolutely exceptional footballer, uh, really top level, and and um, I think. With his ability, uh, people talk about his creativity and, and and all those sort of things that are that are of the top level. But he's he he moves well. He's a good athlete. He's quick. He picks up second balls. He does the the other parts of the game well. Um, but he de- definitely does have that uh, X factor at the top end of the pitch where he can hurt you. And, and we're delighted to have him. Um, and he loves it up here. He loves playing for the club. He loves living in the city, and um, the people, the people in Derry have really taken to him. And it just seems to be a good fit at the minute. And, and long may that continue. That's the thing about about Derry as well. It's it's such a community led club. I mean, and it has forged particularly its own identity, um, given the unique circumstances around the club, of course. And then you know, given the fact of, of where it is geographically, but it does require a buy in from people who might necessarily be from the area to to I guess feed into what Derry City has been about in the league for the last nearly 40 years at this stage that's right and it's important that we have a lot of local players but it's important that the the, the players who aren't local are educated on 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 the city itself and on the club so no you, he's bought into what ha, what's happening here he's bought into living here um, and the supporters love him and and He's really grasped that responsibility that he has within the team and it suits him. Um, he's a real laid-back, languid sort of character, but um, he's, uh, he's a winner and, he, and he's, he's very brave. When, when the game can be going against him, he still receives the ball, still wants to take the ball. So uh, an extremely brave footballer, but why wouldn't you be with, with that talent? Exactly. Uh, I want to talk about your own path, I guess, towards this job, Rory, because... Um, like your name had obviously been mentioned in dispatches when when the position became available, and there were some that thought, oh, "Listen, he's got that handy gig with the FAI and working as you know the opposition analyst for Stephen Kenny." Like, you know, why would you leave that? But I guess um, when this comes calling, when your home club comes calling, etc., you don't really have a chance to turn them down. Was that the case with you, or was there any kind of second guessing about what you were going into uh, going back? It was eighteen months now at this stage. No, well, I mean. I had a brilliant job, um, loved the job that I was in. Um, but I suppose the club were, were struggling. Um, but I, I, knew, I knew the potential of it. Um, I knew that there was good players there, good staff. There's huge potential. It's a football mad town. Uh, I live in the city, which can be difficult at times when you're the manager because you can't get away from it. But um, it's a huge club and, and it just needed a bit of freshness and, and as I said I knew uh, the potential of it and, and hopefully we're starting to get somewhere um, but it is it's a big big football club and, and very demanding uh, 
job, but it's a, I love getting up in the morning and, and, and going in and being in and around the players and the staff and I'm in a very privileged position. And for a first senior manager's job, I guess, like it's it's a it's a massive thing for yourself. It's a huge investment in yourself to put yourself forward That's, for that I, kind of thing. Well, it is and it's it's uh it's probably um a courageous decision because it, it, it's difficult managing uh where you live and, and there there's a lot of pressure on you. But um as I said, if I didn't feel that I could try and help move the club on and, 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 and take it to the next level, then I wouldn't have taken it. And, and to be honest, I had a fantastic grounding in the roles that I had been in before. Um, had a brilliant time at Dundalk. Uh, was part of uh, successful teams there. Um, and then got great experience and, and exposure um, with my job in, in, in terms of the FAI and working with brilliant people, Stephen, Keith Andrews, um, a lot of outstanding people so I learned I learned as much as I could everywhere I went and I felt that I was ready uh, and I had done the groundwork to, to take the next step How easy or otherwise was it to kind of serve your apprenticeship under somebody who was at the time with Dundalk just an incredibly successful manager and then parlaying that into the international sphere which didn't start off so well but has now I guess found its footing but what was it like to, to work alongside Stephen and Give us a sense of the kind of coach and the, and the and the man he is on the training ground because a lot this week in the lead up to the Belgian game obviously has been made of, of Anthony Barry's decision to defect off to Belgium. It's just been a quirk of the, the fixture calendar that we're facing them again on Saturday and the impact that he's made. But as the year has gone on, it's almost as if the people have been reluctant, I guess, to give the credit to Stephen for all this. But give us a sense of what kind of a coach he is day to day on the pitch because I don't think we get a real sense of that. No, he's an outstanding. He's an outstanding manager. Um, in terms of my football career as a player and as a coach, I owe him everything. Um, he's outstanding. He uh, very, very brave in how he goes about his business. He encourages players. They really, really express themselves. Gives um, obviously within the structure of the team, he gives players a license to go and. Um, show their quality and, and um, I, I suppose that the real uh, the best way I could describe Stephen as a coach and as a manager is that he's brave and and doesn't get obsessed with stopping the opposition he wants to go and hurt them and, and, he, and encourages his uh, players to do so So when Ireland were going through that particularly rocky period and, and results obviously weren't going their way and that run without goals and run without wins and was building up and building up you had no sense that this was going to it was never going to happen. He's, he's so, uh, Steve, as I said, he's brave. He's an attack-minded manager. He, he wants to um, impose impose ourselves in the game and he was never going to go away from that regardless uh, of results. And, 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 and the proof's been in the pudding, I think, over the last number of games, you can see that the evolution of the team, the young players are are coming to the fore and, and we've found a way of playing uh, and Stephen really believes in it and, and um, I think the players have, have completely bought in and um, I think it's refreshing to see an Ireland team playing in the way that we're playing. On the other side of that, has he given hope, I guess, to the rest of the league and to younger managers like yourself that 
if you do perform to a certain level with the League of Ireland club, if you get you know league titles under your belt, if you get trophies under your belt, if you can perhaps make a run in Europe, then it shows that these kind of top jobs are available to the likes of you know your Rory Higgins or your Tim Clancy's or whomever else, Keith Longs, should they be successful in their own particular roles? Oh, well, uh, listen, it's it's fantastic, um, and and Stephen was out of shadow without uh, deserved the top job. He. Um, Amazing success domestically and in Europe. Uh, put it up to some fantastic clubs in Europe. And then um, took it into his under-21 job where we were going and beating Sweden and Sweden and unlucky not to beat Italy. And he was winning tough games and, and getting good results and really tough fixtures with 21. So he, he was ready for it and, and he's took it in a straight. I've, I don't... I'm not thinking about <laughs> one day could that be me at all. I'm just thinking about trying to be Bohemians next Friday and and um, the rest will look after itself. But um, no, he has shown um, a sheer drive and a, and 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 ambition um, to get to where he's got to, and and he, and he deserves everything that comes his way. Uh, we'll set aside the wanting to be Bohemians uh, next week because I don't want to fall out while we're on the air, uh, Rory. That'll be a pretty bad presenter. <laughs> um, but but circling back to Derry, does I want to talk about the a lot was made of I guess of 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 the finances that are supposedly available to the club, um, but the one thing that it shows, and others have obviously followed suit because they're in different circumstances, but it shows what's possible when you have the security blanket to be able to hand out you know, multi-year contracts, the difference that that can make to a club and the sense of buoyancy that it can give to a club because it's it's not as if you're kind of living hand to mouth and, and waiting for the next deal to come through or whatever or whatever. It's more a case of you do have a, a an ability to build and that's a huge yes, thing for that, a League of Ireland club. Yeah, that that was one of the, uh, the main topic of conversation that I had with Philip um, in relation to when I was offered the job that I wanted to be in a position where we could build lo- obviously short, medium and long term um, and try and tie our best players the uh, really long contract so it gives us um, security going forward and, and we're able to build something and you're not scratching around every year trying to pick up a player here and there so the club uh, made it clear that they would support me and that that's the way they wanted to go anyway so no, it's been it's been very very good that's been the biggest uh, change in all of this and, and I know people talk about Philip's wealth um, but when we spoke back on the 22nd of April or whatever it was the plan has never changed um, we went after the players that we said we were going to go after and and um, the budget hasn't gone up or anything like that since since he sold his business. So um, he's been extremely supportive, as is everyone on the board and, and in the club. And we want this to be successful over a long, long period of time, not just a not just a quick fix. There seems to be like a three, five, ten-year plan almost in place for the club. What's the immediate? Because I guess I guess winning trophies again is is the primary objective for Derry City. Like I'm thinking beyond like your playing days there when you won the League Cup for fun uh, pretty much every year it became the Derry City League Cup at that stage um, and we won, a, we won a couple of FAA Cups a couple, as well you did indeed yeah um, lost in 2008 though but we won't mention that um, but, uh, but, <laughs> let's not talk about my no. penalty well, <laughs> can we there was a great penalty I was behind the goal for that Rory uh, it was fantastic great day great day no but just in terms of 
of winning trophies. I mean, that's something that's going to be hugely important to to, to Derry City making that next step, I guess, and and contending for a new title. It is, and, and we want to we want to try and bridge the gap. That's what we want to do initially, because let's be honest, we 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 the the squad that Shamrock Rovers have at their disposal, the numbers, the 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 international players they've got, um, outstanding depth. Uh, um, and and you look at their squad and it scares the life out of you. So our, our initial goal is to try and bridge that gap, close the gap. Um, how much we can close it remains to be seen, but they're, they're far and away the, the biggest and, and best squad of players in the league and it's up to everyone else to catch them. Um, but the biggest buzz for me, and, and I think it is for the, the chairman and the board, is that we're seeing a full brandy well at the minute um, and, and the atmosphere, whether it's a Monday or a Friday, don't get me wrong, the atmosphere is better on a Friday, there's no doubt about that, it's the start of people's weekends and sort of party party mode but um, we've had full Brandwell's Monday, Friday um, and that's what we get real satisfaction out of the fact that the public are buying into it they're getting right behind it they can identify with the team there's a real local feel to the team as well so um, at the minute that's that's what, what satisfies me the most the fact that um, the Brandywell's rocking and, and, and we're selling it out every game at the minute yeah, and you've got a fantastic facility up there. It must be said as well. It's kind of the envy of a of a lot of teams in the league. I would say between yourselves and and Shamrock Rovers, what you're able to do to be able to play in front of you know, in your case, four packed out stands and Rovers three. Like it's, it makes a huge difference. These kind of facilities and the ability to pack them out. It it brings, it raises everybody's level, I guess. Ah, oh, yes, it's it's um, Derry, as I said before, it's a football mad. It's a football mad town and. I think they can, as I said, they can identify with this team, and they're coming out in their numbers and really getting behind it. And um, for me, we've got injury time winners against Shamrock Rovers and St Pat's, and I don't think we would have if it wasn't for the crowd. Um, to be honest, and that's not me trying to uh, soften them up or get a wee pat in the back or get a bit of praise. I mean it. They're really getting behind the players. The players are getting the energy from it, and we're going right to the end. And Scoring late goals and, and which is important in any successful team, but no, it's been brilliant. It's, it's a joy to be a part of, and um, I hope it continues for a long time. Yeah, Rory, listen, thanks so much for joining us this evening. Wish you the very best of luck uh, with the remainder of the campaign, a lot of which is uh, still stretching out in front of us, of course. And I wish you the very best of luck on April fourth against UCD. Before that, uh, <laughs> sure, we'll talk about it. Uh, Rory, thanks so much for this evening. All right, thank you. Bye bye. Pleasure. There you go. That's Rory Higgins, the Derry City manager. It's now Wales 2, Austria 1 in Cardiff. They're into the last eight minutes there. An own goal has made things very, very interesting and very nervy from a Welsh perspective. The football show here on Off the Brawl is in association with Sky Ireland. Watch Manchester United versus Everton in the Women's Super League this Sunday, live only on Sky Sports. We'll be talking to Dion Fanning next. Football on Off the Ball. With Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. They're into the final three minutes at the Cardiff City Stadium where Wales lead Austria by two goals to one. That Ben Davies own goal making things a little bit more interesting and a little bit more nervy from a Welsh perspective for the final 10 minutes there. But those Gareth Bale goals mean Wales, for the time being, are heading through to a playoff final against either Scotland or Ukraine in the summer. Touch wood. Uh, there has been high drama, by the way, at the Dragao in Oporto, where Portugal lead Turkey by two goals to one. Those goals coming from Diogo Jota and Otavio uh, for the hosts 
but Burak Yilmaz has scored for the visitors and he's also skied a penalty over the crossbar that could have made it 2-2 with five minutes to go but they're into the final minute in Oporto and it's still Portugal 2, Turkey 1. Scoreless still at the Renzo Barberi Stadium in Palermo, Italy taking on North Macedonia there. Uh, that stadium famous or infamous for draws in Ireland's group of course during the 1990 World Cup. It looks like we're heading for another one there tonight. Italy nil, North Macedonia nil is the score in that one and scoreless 2 with Sweden taking on the Czech Republic. The winners of that one will play Poland in the playoff final. But Ireland are in friendly action, of course, this coming Saturday. They are playing Belgium at the Aviva Stadium. And much changed, Belgium, it must be said. They haven't brought over players with 50 caps or more. So the likes of Thibaut Courtois, Eden Hazard, Kevin De Bruyne and uh, Romelu Lukaku are all missing. But they still have a pretty star-packed star even squad uh, to put up against the Republic of Ireland on Saturday evening and a chance for Stephen Kenny to really measure how far Ireland have come in the past 12 months or so off the back of six games and beaten four games without conceding a single goal stretching over 430 minutes at this stage. Uh, joining us to look forward to that and a little bit more as well is the Associate Editor of The Currency, Dion Fanny. Dion, you're welcome to the show. Hi Richie, how are you? Good, thanks. Um, I want to talk about before we get to the friendly, the business of the bid for Euro 2028 because we thought Ireland along with our pals across the water and, and up in Northern Ireland were going to have a solo run at this thing and that we were going to be you know, pretty much welcomed through and everyone's going to be happy and hunky-dory that we're hosting about three or four games in the Euros in 2028 but Russia and Turkey have put, in, have put their spoke in there as well and Italy have thrown their hat in the ring for 2032 and things just seem a little bit more complicated and I guess it's raised more questions over should we be doing this, I think? is uh, and, and, and who are we in bed with for this thing as well? Because you look at who's involved for 2028, you take, you know, the English perspective, throw them in against Russia, throw them in against Turkey. Nobody really seems that attractive for UEFA to hand the Euros to for, for 2028. I don't know what you made of it all. Um, yeah, I, I, I think uh, ultimately it probably will, will end up uh, with the the joint bid, the Ireland England, uh, etc. Let's do that in that order, Richie. Ireland England, and and so on. Uh, I think it will end up like obviously the the Russia thing was um, like isn't you know was was just uh, like in their in their in their acts of bad faith of of recent times. It doesn't merit you know. It's not in the top one thousand. When you but have one of their officials enough. saying. This is not a joke. Like I think it probably tells its own tale as regards their intent for this application. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, it's just an, uh, it's just a, a small act of malevolence, um, and I don't think it, it will detain people too long. Like it, you know, it does. Obviously, the uh, the comp, you know, how compromised UEFA, FIFA are with with uh, with Russia, with Gazprom, with all those, with all those. Um, connections you know i think even you know this this russia bit is almost even just a a way to kind of uh demonstrate you know we haven't gone away you know um we're we're still here and we know uh we know we know we were having we were all living high on the hog together six weeks ago um and and it's just a reminder of of those uh connections which um uh have done huge damage did huge damage and did huge damage should have been seen for what they were a long time ago really like between fifa uefa uh the world cup in 2018 um various you know infantino's uh medal from 
uh, of uh, his eternal friendship of Vladimir Putin. All these things are are uh, are a kind of a, a stain on on football. Um, and I think this Russia bit is just a kind of a reminder of you can't you can't just wipe away all. We're not going to let you wipe away all that so quickly. But I don't think it, I don't think it will um, ultimately derail the the uh, the Irish the Irish bid. And I um, I still think it's it's overall it's it's a good thing to be doing. I don't I don't really share the I I. I don't really have, feel like many people do, and many people I, I respect feel that you know it's a it's a waste of time and it's a sideshow and it doesn't address the real issues of Irish football. I I don't know how time consuming it's going to be and how why it should really derail uh, or detract from those issues. And I think there is there is a potentially quite a big upside. Um, for Irish football and it, and it's worth doing. The the main point I think that a lot of people have pointed the main fact that people have pointed out about it is that there's actually very little legwork involved in this because if we are one of five nations co-hosting the Euros then we're going to have four or five games. We've got two stadiums in Dublin that are already built that don't need any work. Maybe Crow Park might need temporary seating put on the hill but that's, you know, that is what it is. But it's not as if we're building, you know, the Bertie Bowl in an effort to bring this thing here, yeah. and that there's millions being ploughed into it. It's a relatively low cost, low energy, low input bid from an Irish perspective for the Euros. I mean, the the, the one question that will be hanging over is is what are Northern Ireland going to contribute to it because they're waiting for Casement Park to be built, and if they are waiting for Casement Park to be built, they're waiting for you know access from the GEA. Windsor Park isn't going to be big enough to host any games. That's its own thing. But from a an FAI. Irish government, Irish people perspective, this is kind of we can always put our feet up and let everybody else do the work. But do you think do you think that actually that slightly, as you say, like it, it, there isn't a, a lot to do? Like the fact that it's slightly underwhelming in that regard, uh, even though we all applaud it, like the kind of the the responsible, fiscally kind of responsible, uh, mature aspect of our personalities, all mm. applauds that. There's a part of us that wouldn't mind, like you know, the we, the monorails and the we want and the discussion the, and, about and the, and, the, and, the, and the models of the stadiums yeah. that are going to be built and like this idea that, that if somebody came out and said there's going to be we're going to build three sixty thousand seat stadiums in in uh, Galway, Limerick, and Cork, you know, there would be one part of us going, this is terrible and irresponsible and we don't have the money for this. But the other part of it would be like, show us the plans, show us the. You know, show us the the like, show us every bit of of, of state of the art technology that new, these new stadiums are going to have, and we'd get excited about it. So I think, in some ways, the fact that it is so prudent and so there's so little downside in the point of view of cost and outlay and all those things also means that there's, uh, as you say, like, as the stadiums are there in in Dublin, they're not there's not going to be a huge amount. There will still be a cost. There will still be uh, various things, but there's not going to be that. But, that wastefulness, but there's also again not going to be that the things you can dem- demonstrate as the kind of end product for from it from a a, a constructive a construction point of view. Hmm. What we all want is a Louis Kilcoyne type figure to come out on the Late Late Show with three different models of the stadiums that he's going to build. Uh, you know, one of those professional models behind each of them, and a very reluctant Stephen Kenny being brought on to talk about it as well. Uh, but that's another story for another day. But you mentioned like the 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 overall upside that a bid can bring the game. That's, I guess, what people will be most sceptical about because they'd say, 
well, what legacy is hosting like Sweden against North Macedonia in a group match in the Euro is going to actually do for for Irish football? And that's where people, I guess, would have that you know gap in their you know in their knowledge or in their in their believability about what's going to actually happen from this. But 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 you see that that was the argument or that was the when people shrugged. Uh, when the Euros didn't take place, the games were moved from Ireland because of of the of COVID regulations last year. People shrugged and said, sure, we didn't want those games anyway, you know, Sweden, whatever they were, the group matches. And then uh, we watched England-Germany take place at Wembley, which should have been played at the Aviva. Mm. Uh, and, you know, okay, the circumstances were different, but we were starved of anything. Nothing had happened in the country um, for understandable reasons, but nothing had happened in the country. And you saw that game, and I remember that day. It was such a beautiful day in Dublin. And you're thinking, God, it would be nice to be walking along to the Aviva to see England play Germany now. Now, the legacy is a different... Like The legacy is... Uh, I, I accept that point about what, what is the legacy, and I think that, you know, a lot of the stuff that the FAI say... Uh, is slightly intangible about the legacy, you know, what it can be. It's a, you know, but I, I think there's something to be said, you know, in, in, a, in a very simple level in bringing, bringing good, you know, bringing a, a, a portion of a big football event to, to Ireland. I think that's not a bad thing to want to happen. Um, it doesn't mean that the other the issues in Irish football are going to be part or shouldn't or aren't critical to be addressed. But I think both of them can be done. And I think the idea that you should wait until there is, uh, you know, that that issues have been solved or addressed, like to what extent, like what is the metric you would say? Right, we have now reached a point in Irish football where we actually maybe can do this as well. Now, in an ideal world. Uh, that you know, all the the all the top quality football and all the excitement of football will be coming from the football that we get here uh, throughout the year. But I think there's nothing wrong with saying, right, there's something else we can do. There's I was struck by what the uh, the chief executive of the Scottish FA said at the launch when he said the hosting the matches for them uh, brought brought football to a different audience that they weren't reaching. Um, and I think this is an important thing. There's a huge audience for football, whether we like it or not, that doesn't really engage with the game at the moment domestically. And people can complain about that. They can say, they can give their reasons for it, some of which are valid, some of which may not be valid, but they're, the, the reality is they're not engaged with it, uh, except for you know Ireland international games. Mm. Um, and if there's something that says, right, we can... We can harness that appetite for football, which is huge in this country, absolutely huge. Like you look, you look at the viewing figures uh, for all football matches. You look at the, like for for the Euros last year. Like there, the people are watching football that doesn't contain an Irish team. It doesn't it isn't involving Ireland in numbers that put other sports to shame. Like it is the biggest game. It's a it's a game that has the most interest. 12 months a year in in this country. But there is a disconnect, football. pardon me for interrupting, Dion, there is a disconnect whereby football as a modern entity is more so, and viewing numbers would, would justify that, is more so a television product than it is a live product. And there is a, a dissonance between the two. There are people who go to live matches 
there are people who are happy enough to just watch them on TV and this isn't a criticism of either one but it's just a statement of fact that for the majority of people whether they realise it or not they view it in the same way that they would Coronation Street EastEnders or Love Island it's, it's, it's a television product and it's like that's the reason why it generates massive money in terms of, uh, of sales rights and television rights it's because mm. it's viewed as such and it's, it's a means of advertising I don't think I don't think they view it. I, I I accept your. I know what you're saying. I don't think they view it the way they watch they watch soap operas. I think it's like we're not going to uninvent television. Um, like it is, it's it's here to stay. Uh, I've heard good things. But um, I've heard good things. Yeah, uh, and it's um, like it is. It is. But I I I think that's I think that's true up to a point. Clearly, more people watch you know football. All sport is primarily, uh, and you know, you know this. I know this, anyone who anyone who goes to cover go, cover football matches, you you know you you are you are irrelevant these days to the kind of the, to the main event, which is producing this television spectacle, and that's the way all sports are. But I think I don't think I don't think it necessarily means that people won't go to watch things as well when and you know this is the thing you know people say oh irish people are uh event junkies they don't they don't want to like there is there is repeatedly a reasons put forward why people aren't doing things which never re, which always seem to put the blame on the people for not doing the things and i think you know at a, at, a, at some point you have to accept that you know there is enough to go around there is enough you can like this is this is, comes back to the point. I think this has got very little downside in terms of cost, in terms of outlay, and you can do something like this. And if it brings, uh, if it brings a tournament and it brings a, a, a an element or a fraction of a tournament to here, that's great. And mm-hmm. then if there is a legacy in terms of more engagement, more participation, people wanting to do something, people wanting to go to games, people wanting to go to games in stadiums that have been. And this is key, like that you know that that have been improved, that the FAI have put money into the facilities are there, and I think there has to be a willingness uh, from all sides, like that you know this is like we're going to be kind of uh, it's not going to be that sense of you know um, them and us or like you are there are these people who are watching television, and and I don't think that is the case for the majority of people. I think most people, I think Stephen Kenny made this point last week. Most people in this country. Our football fans, you know, people who support League of Ireland clubs also support uh, Premier League clubs. They follow football. They follow football ac- across Europe and across the world. So I don't think it is this this uh, 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 this kind of culture war that we sometimes kind of can believe if we spend too much time on Twitter or something. Yeah, a lot of this uh, talk about the Euro build-up, and, and it's, I guess it's only to a degree in this conversation as well, Dion, has, has taken away from the fact that Ireland are playing uh, this weekend against the, the world number one side, albeit a slightly altered one. Um, but we mentioned it in the news round, Joe pointed it out, it's nice to go into a friendly that doesn't feel like a referendum on the future of Stephen Kenny as manager. There is not a sense of relaxation about this one, but it's it's a shot to nothing, I guess. And it's a, it's a chance to just show a mark of where we are in terms of a world number one or a top five side in the world or whatever you want to gauge Belgium by uh, rather than Jesus is this the way we should be going or not yeah although I I quite enjoyed as somebody who felt like Stephen Kenny should be getting the contract I quite enjoyed the last few games in in that kind of referendum because there was such a uh, an atmosphere of defiance and expect and hope mm. at Ireland matches uh, perhaps 
influenced a little bit by the fact that people felt they were kind of having to demonstrate their support for a manager who's trying to do things the way I think the, is the only way you can actually be doing things as, as Ireland international manager. Um, that it, it added, a, it added another layer, uh, you know, added just, it added something to those games. Now I think you can see again in the, in the response, the sales of season tickets, the sales, you know, like the Belgian game is going to be a sellout. Lithuania is tickets are selling very well. There's a huge, that appetite remains to watch the, Stephen Kenny team, the, the the players that are there, the way that they are playing, um. So I I think it it is it's good that he doesn't have that hanging over him. It's great that it, the contract has been sorted out in the, the only way that really was sensible, mm. um. Because I think it it just it just acknowledged, uh, the level of work he needs that he that needs to be done and that he has begun to do, um. So I don't think it's. Uh, I think it's great that he doesn't have it hanging over him. Um, I I hope like I think it will. It it should like I think I. But I do think those those games had a had a sense of uh, of jeopardy because of that. That kind of energized the crowds. Could like a a six nil spanking at the hands of Belgium could well alter things and, and alter the atmosphere going into the Lithuania match. But there doesn't seem to be the sense that that hammering is going to come on, on Saturday and. And to a degree, that's an odd kind of progress, but progress nonetheless, really. Yeah, I think it's. Um, no, I think it is. I think. Well, I think there's a, there's there is a, a you know a real sense of a team, and I know there's players missing from this one, but there is a real sense of a team uh, developing an understanding and knowing what they're supposed to be doing. And I, I, Stephen Kenny did say that you know that the experimentation. Is going to be is coming to an is at an end, and that that and that has been demonstrated in the performances uh, in the way Ireland have played, and I think that's something that people can can you know will go to this game anticipating, and I think there is there is just such a a feeling of goodwill around this team that um, you know you kind of don't feel it like okay they're not. That the the crowd aren't playing the game, but they are gonna. I think for a friendly match to have a a a, sol, a sellout crowd in Dublin, um, uh, getting behind the team does give it a sense of well, Ireland aren't going to be humiliated. I don't think it's it's a question of being humiliated, uh, or anything like that. And I think the the, I I I just feel, I feel the kind of elements of, already what has happened with with Stephen Kenny, uh. Are so encouraging that I think they're, they're like this year you go into it now. Obviously, uh, the things are a little bit up in the air for the games in June now for all of them because of of Ukraine mm. um, and their the the moving of the of the Scotland game. But uh, I think it's it's there is just that sense that this is a, this is a year when uh, you know that the, the foundations that were laid last year. There's now going to be a real a real appetite and a desire to see progress and that's what you kind of do expect from Kenny now Optimism all the way around tonight Dion I enjoyed it <laughs> Thanks Richard Cheers Dion Fanning there the associate editor at The Currency the football show here on Off The Ball is in association with Skywatch Manchester United versus Everton in the Women's Super League this Sunday live only on Sky Sports 